This Power Women broadcast is brought to you by Brookdale University Medical Center. Heart disease is the number one killer of women, so love your heart and know your risk. Make your appointment today at brookdalehospital.org. Brookdale University Hospital Medical Center, the leader of healthcare in East Brooklyn. Hi, this is Victoria Schneps, and I'm delighted to have our power woman who is with us today, Marjorie Sell Nunes. So welcome to our studio. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you, Vicky. So tell me about yourself. Where did you grow up? I grew up in the Dominican Republic. And where was it? What was your family life like there? Well, we were very poor, so it, it was hard at times. But, you know, we were happy. So your parents were involved with you from times where you were father working, your mother working. Tell me about your family life. So I was raised by a single mother who worked two or three jobs just to put food on the table. And we went to school pretty much all day. Um, and then we moved to America when I was 13 years old. So what brought you to America? How did it happen? My father had come uh, to America and he'd had petition for us. So we got visas to come to America. And so where did you come to? Borough Park, Brooklyn. All right. So uh, <laughs> right here in our great borough of Brooklyn. Yeah, I love it. Yes, it is a special place. And tell me about you and your journey. Where did you go to school and how did you come to be part of what we are now calling the Power Women? Well, I was uh, educated in the CUNY system through and through. I went to uh, Kingsborough first, and then I transferred to BMCC. Then I went to City College. Uh, then I went to my graduate studies. I did them in Toro uh, because my specialty wasn't really available in CUNY at that time. So that was my choice. Uh, I graduated with zero uh, loans, zero debt, and that was one of my main goals. I did not want to have loans. Well, you're a very intelligent person, I can tell right away. What were you studying? Early childhood education and special needs. So is that a career you're following now? Yes, I am, and I'm very good at it. That's what uh, allowed me to open my schools, having a degree to understand what I'm doing and how to proceed and how to help children. And and then I became a mommy to a special needs boy. Oh, my. So having a degree really, really worked out for me. So I'm, uh, by trade, my master's degree is in teaching, too. Look so, at that. Yes, and my firstborn child was brain damaged. And so I did a journey to find help for her and finding ways to be able to make her be able to be the most she could be. So I totally relate to your journey. So what brought you to special education? What was it that drew you to that? When I was in high school, I, I always wanted to be a teacher since I was two years old. Me too. <laughs> when I was a baby, I had a very special teacher. And she really loved me, and she made me feel really special. So right there and then, I said, I will be just like my teacher. And that's all I ever thought about, being a teacher to help others. So when I went to high school, there was this boy. He had Down syndrome, and he didn't have a para for some reason. And I volunteered my lunchtime to help him understand the work that was being given. So... I assigned myself to him for three years, 
And that's how I decided that I would not only be a teacher, but I would take it upon myself to be a special needs teacher, specializing in Down syndrome. Oh, that's an interesting aspect because, you know, the children with Down syndrome today, we're finding uh, less and less being born with that syndrome because of the genetic testing that is possible. That is correct. I, my son has Down syndrome. And I can bear witness to the testing and the pressure from the medical community to abort. Uh, But there's a lot of stuff going on in the positive. We see more and more commercials with uh, people with a range of of abilities uh, in the media, advertisers. um, They're getting jobs. I'm currently hosting a class in my school for young girls who have Down syndrome, and I teach them a trade of early childhood. So they could probably get a a job in a daycare. And there's nothing more fulfilling to me that I know I'm I'm creating something that one day my son might somehow be able to benefit. You know, boomerang effect. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm trying to throw out the boomerang, see if it catches something and gets back to my son. It is guaranteed because I know that I created an organization for children with disabilities just because of my daughter, Lara. And I think how uh, the paths we take are so affected by our lives and how ironic that your own child should have Down syndrome. And I think also, tell me about how when you found out in utero, did you know that he was going to have that extra chromosome? Yes, I did. I found out when I was four and a half months along. And he also came with a very bad heart. And now he had an open heart surgery. He has Down syndrome and he's also a diabetic. Mm. So it's a little challenging, but nothing nothing I can't manage, and he's very happy, and I'm very happy, and I'm very able to live a full life and be happy and be productive, and my son is well taken care of, and I know he's going places, so it, it, it all works out at the end. So tell me about how you started a school, because I didn't, uh, you know, some, many parents are overwhelmed, and I didn't see where sometimes the dark cloud of having a child with special needs overcomes you. You were not giving up. Tell me about your journey. I will never give up. That That's just me. Um, but I already had my schools when I got pregnant with my son. Um, I decided that I would leave poverty behind, having been so poor in in my youth. And even, even here, when I moved to America, I actually walked 77 blocks to get to college every single day for a couple of years uh, because I didn't have those two extra dollars. So I saved money. I worked as a waitress during the day. I went to school at night. Like I said, I didn't take out any loans. I, I wouldn't eat if I didn't have to. I would walk everywhere, and I saved my little money, and I opened my first school in 2006. And what kind of school was it? It was a preschool. Okay. Now, was it a preschool for children with special needs or for children in general? For children in general. In New York City, um, in order for you to open a special needs school, you first have to have a lot of experience in general ed. And although I am qualified and certified uh, to open a 4410 preschool in the city of New York, the finances make it very difficult. So um, 
it, it's not possible, but I take all kinds of kids in my school with a lot of pride, and I help a lot of people. So you said that you have schools with an S at the end. Does that mean you created another school? Five, in fact. Five. Wow, I create newspapers. You create schools. There <laughs> I <you> love go. <laughs> it. <laughs> so are they in different neighborhoods? How do you decide to open another school? What, what motivates the uh, business decision? What motivates me is the community needs. And right now, the business of preschool is being determined by where low-income families are located because of the grants. Mm -hmm. So I turned my schools that were, uh, at one point, all cash business. So parents had to pay a lot of money to send me their kids, which didn't sit well at all with me, having been so poor in my youth. My intention was always to open schools for children who didn't have other opportunities. And as soon as the government opened that up, I actually lobbied uh, Mayor Bloomberg mm -hmm. for that. And when he created the program, I jumped right in. And nothing makes me happier than to see children who I know would be sitting at home, probably alone, because mommy needs to work. And they're in my schools, getting love, getting education, eating their food, having friends, uh, progressing. Oh. So how does it play into the fact that the mayor now, de Blasio, is taunting these preschools that are free? Well, the government picks up the bill for the preschools. I will tell you this. It's not as much as parents would pay out of pocket, and that's the truth. And they, it comes with a lot of strings attached and a lot of regulations. But if at the end of the day I want to do good for the children, I can't put too many objections to that. Well, that's a terrific thing that you're able to maneuver around the government funding and be able to make it a good, safe environment for the children. Yes. So what is your personal life like? What is it makes you have fun? <laughs> Traveling. Okay. Have you yes. gone back to the Dominican Republic? I just came back. I went uh, to my aunt's birthday party, and I brought with me a checked luggage of toys and medicines and all kinds of things uh, to give out to poor children there. Well, you never forget where you came from, and I think that's very precious. And I think that the idea of having um, a school that can uh, work with children, I think, you know, for me, I've had four children of my own, and then, you know, we serve a 1,000 people in our life's work organization. So I know what it is to have a mission in life. And what's your next step? Do you see it out there? I see opportunities of growth. There's in, in Massachusetts, they are starting to open grants also. And there's a huge Dominican community in Massachusetts, in Boston, and you know in the surrounding areas. And I would like to give my gifts to my own people because the upward mobility of Dominican people in Massachusetts is not there. And maybe if they get to know me, and I can have an opportunity to educate the children, maybe they will make it to college. Well, I think that that's a ultimate goal because with a college education, anything is possible. Everything is that. possible, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, you have got a great dream, and we're going to be having our power women of Brooklyn coming up, and I know that you've earned your ranking in being a power woman. I'm so happy to meet you and to have the opportunity to learn about your journey, and I think it's really just begun. Thank you. I, it's, been a, it's been a long journey, and I do uh, my best to keep it um, always like a dream.
Well, no, your dream has become a reality. Some people never get to see their dreams become a reality. Well, dreams are always sweet. And whenever I go to work, I feel like I'm dreaming. Well, you know, I think uh, for me, too, it's um, every day I go to work. I don't think it's work because it's my passion. Sounds like you have a passion for what you do. Absolutely. Whether it is collecting food for my families or uh, getting opportunities, getting more money from the government to be able to do more good, whatever it takes, it doesn't matter how hard it is. I like it. <laughs> I'll take it. Well, you seem like a person who takes challenges and makes, uh, you know, what do they call that? Um, lemons, you make lemonade. A lot of lemonade. A lot of lemonade. So I thank you so much for coming on today as our power woman. And we are thrilled to see your impact on so many children because I do believe children are our future. Yes, they are. Indeed. Thank you for having me. My pleasure.